I'm beginning a new series, even though uh, Rabbi Jack, he's a messianic rabbi. He loves Jesus. And if you've been here when he's been with us, he's always a blessing. So he'll be here next, next Sunday, but then I'll jump back into this series. I'm going to start today with a series on dominion. What does the Bible say about dominion? Or you could say, Jesus made us to reign. And not the rain outside that's pouring down, but to reign in life. The, the Bible has some very powerful things that it says about those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Just tremendous promises of what God's going to do in our lives and through our lives. And so I want to begin today and look at some of those promises. And I want to begin in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. If you want to look at that verse with me, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. That's talking about Adam and his, his sin. Then it says, much more, in other words, if, if Adam's sin opened the door for death and sickness, disease to come into this world, then much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, <coughs> excuse me, will what? Reign. Will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I've pastored many, many years in several different churches, love my congregation, but one of the things that, that I struggled with and just broke my heart was to see Christians that weren't reigning in life. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. He wants us to live abundant life. He wants us to reign in life. And too many times I see Christians that are just kind of protecting themselves, going through life, worried about where the next blow is going to come from. And they're just living kind of in a a cowering position, concerned that something's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to be hit. I'm going to take another blow. And I'm not saying that if we're living the abundant life and reigning in life that we'll never face difficulty. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that experience, we have experiences of bad things. We have battles that we face. We have temptations. We have an enemy. That he's always trying to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. As Christians, we are to claim the promises of God. And in Romans, we just read the verse that says, when we come to and receive Jesus, there's an abundance of grace that we receive. And we receive the gift of righteousness. We're not trying to earn our righteousness because we can't. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
We can't earn our righteousness, but Jesus on the cross paid for our righteousness. Amen? And we receive His record. His righteousness is imputed to us when we receive Him. So today I want you to change the way you think. Because the Bible says you're an overcomer. The Bible says you're going to reign in life. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have battles. Ephesians 6 makes it very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, the rulers of darkness. So we're going to have battles, but we are overcomers. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and tell them you're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. The Bible uses a phrase, and we're going to look at it throughout this series, for those that are reigning in life, and it's those that are part of the kingdom of God. A king does what? He rules his kingdom. When we think about the kingdom of God, many times we think about church work or the church, Christian missionaries going out. We think about this is the kingdom of God, and that certainly is part of God's kingdom, But that is not all of God's kingdom. Where God rules, His kingdom is. And in that rule, when we accept Jesus, that rule, we become part of that kingdom. And that rule of Jesus rules in our lives and rules through our lives. I want you to look at Genesis now. Look at Genesis chapter 1. This was God's plan for man from the beginning. That you and I would rule in life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion. Did you see that? He's saying, let man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gives man in the beginning dominion to rule this planet under the authority of God. Under that relationship, as God rules in the heart of man, God extends His rule throughout the world. Now, it, it, this, this passage also says, be fruitful and multiply. The one thing that we do not have dominion over is other people. Now, as, as our children grow... We do exercise authority over them because we have a responsibility and authority. And we, we, make, we make boundaries for them and we help train them in the way that they should go so that, so that when they reach uh, an adult age and, and they're off on their own, that they will know uh, who God is and that they've got a relationship with Him and God has a plan for their life. But we... No longer, we we release them to live and make decisions on their own. We no longer have that same authority that we had as, as children. So we don't exercise authority over one another, over people, 
But we do exercise authority over everything else that God created. Now I know that some of you are thinking, I might just try this the next time I go hunting. But I want us to see today that God intended for us to live in dominion over this world. He intended for us to live in a kingdom, His kingdom. And I've mentioned this several times, but there are three kingdoms. And you're going to live in one of them. There's the kingdom of flesh, where it's all about you, it's all about what you want, and you feed the flesh and you give the flesh everything it wants. Or there's the kingdom of darkness, where you surrender and submit and the enemy takes a hold in your life and you're like a puppet on a string. Or there's the kingdom of God, where you submit to our Creator, our Savior, and our Lord. And His rule rules through your life and, and rules in the world that we live in. And church, we need to stand up and, and welcome the rule of God, not only to rule in our lives, in our home, in our business, but to rule wherever we go. Amen? We live in a, in a world that is increasingly becoming more deceived and increasingly becoming more and more controlled by the kingdom of darkness. And we've talked about those things. We don't need to go in. You can look on the news and see so many things that do not line up with, with God's Word. In the, in the time that we're living in, though, light is bright in the darkness. Amen? And we're going to live a life where we're set on fire by Jesus. His fire's burning in our hearts and lives. And we're going to take the light of Christ into the midst of the darkness and let people know there is another king and another kingdom that you can, that you can come into and have His rule in your life. And He will overrule all the power of the flesh and all the power of darkness. Do you believe that today? A great example is when, a, when a, a congregation or Christians in a community, several congregations, begin to just take the understanding that I'm going to let Jesus rule through my life today and I'm going to let him touch everyone that I meet. And we bring Jesus to work. We bring him to school. We bring him to uh, Fred Myers and Target and Wally World and Wherever we go, we're bringing Jesus and we're welcoming His rule to be seen in our lives. And guess what? If, if every congregation that's Bible-believing, that loves Jesus Christ, born-again believers in our community begins to take the mindset, we're going to bring the rule of God to the valley, then we're going to see the valley begin to change. Man's rule was given to him by God. It wasn't given to him by virtue of his own wonderfulness. Amen? But it was given to him because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Another verse I want to look at in Romans is Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. 
In this passage, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. We see natural catastrophes in this world. We see even the uh, parts of creation that are not alive. We see them groaning and longing for the day of our redemption. Amen? It's this planet where God chose to play out this cosmic drama between good and evil. But it affects all of creation. That's why Scripture says there's going to be a new, new heavens and a new earth. Amen? And right now we see this world is groaning. It's, it's, it's suffering along with us because of our sin. So we see that God designed for man under God to rule. But there's a problem with that. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, commonly referred to as the fall of man. But I want us to see something else that takes place in Genesis chapter 3 verse 4. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of Eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Notice Adam was right there with her. Adam failed as a husband. He didn't protect his wife spiritually. He didn't intervene and say, no, God told us not to do this. The woman was deceived, but Adam went along willingly disobeying God. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Something changed. But I want to go back to the very first. The serpent, we know from Revelation that the serpent was Satan. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He was lying to her. He was deceiving her. In church, we still struggle with the lies of the enemy today. There's, there's no doubt that there are those here today that you are believing a lie that the enemy has spoken into your life. It may be from the time that you were a very small child and the enemy through someone said, well, you're never going to amount to anything. Or maybe it was an, a parent that said, we never really wanted you. But the enemy lies and he uses lies. And when we receive those lies and accept them, we come into bondage of those lies. And I want to tell you here today, if there is a lie that you have believed, today Jesus wants to set you free from it. 
You are precious. You were planned by God no matter what anybody else says. And you are precious to Him. You are beautiful to Him. He has a plan for your life. And you need to stop believing the lies of the enemy and let Jesus set you free. Adam and Eve submitted themselves to the lie of the serpent. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Scripture says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. What took place in the beginning, that dominion that God had given Adam and Eve, now they forfeited it and gave it to the enemy. And I want to give you several scriptures that back that up. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Who has dominion in this world right now? Satan. You wonder why we have so many problems, why a nation rises against nations, wars and rumors of wars, why there's catastrophes, why there's so many um, sickness and disease and all these things. It's because the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you he made alive, it's talking about Jesus making us alive, God making us alive through Christ who were dead in trespasses and sins, all of us outside of Jesus are dead, spiritually dead, in our sin. In verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Outside of Jesus, we are walking and living our lives according to the enemy. And it says, listen to this, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We wonder why people do the things they do that don't know Jesus. We get frustrated. We can't believe they say the things they do. We can't believe they do the things they do. Why? It's because they're influenced. They're in the kingdom of darkness. They're influenced by him. But guess what happens when we say yes to Jesus? <laughs> when we say yes to Him. Another verse I want you to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds, listen to this, the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Church, one of the most important things you can do in praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus is to pray for that spiritual veil to be lifted from their eyes because they're blinded by the enemy. They're blinded to the fact that they need Jesus. They don't see Jesus for who He is. And so that's how we need to pray. In this verse, it says, in verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
Church, our prayer needs to be every day. Shine, Jesus, shine. Amen. Shine in the midst of the darkness of the people we encounter. I, wanna, I, want, I want the glory of God to be seen through my life. I want people to encounter Jesus through my life. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, I want to shine. There used to be a, a song years ago by the Newsboys, and I'm dating myself. But it was shine, Jesus, shine, shine, shine. It was all about they wanted to shine for Jesus. Church, the darkness is intense. It's everywhere, and we're encountering it. But greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The light of Jesus in you is brighter and will shine through the midst of the darkness, and people will see it, and they'll want to know of what it is, and you can share it with them, and they'll come to Jesus. In these passages, it says that the world is under the control of the enemy. And it says that his mind, he has them blinded spiritually to the truth. But I want us to read another verse in Colossians chapter 1. When we come to Jesus, what happens? What happens when we receive him as our Lord and Savior? When we repent? And we turn from our sin and say, Jesus, I believe the work that you did on the cross. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe in the power of the word of God. And I want to receive that into my life. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen? When we receive Jesus, no longer are we in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of flesh ruling our lives. Then we're conveyed into the kingdom of God's Son and we experience the love of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And then we can say no to sin. We can say no to the flesh and we belong to Him. We're in that kingdom. There's two things we need to understand. First of all, Adam lost his dominion over the realm that had been given him. And the Bible says it becomes a curse to him instead of a blessing. And second, Adam had been destined to live forever. But now, because of sin, he's going to experience death. If you're like me and you're, you're, you know, past your youth and your prime, you're recognizing that this body is beginning to decay. It's not able to do the things that it once did. And my mind still thinks it can. And my mind will tell my body to do those things. Yeah, you can do it. And then my body goes, no, it can't. But I'm thankful, church, one day we're going to have a new body, a glorified body, a body that is not going to deteriorate anymore. It's an everlasting glorified body because of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have the first prophetic promise from God. Look at verse 15. You've, you've read it before. 
And I will put enmity, that means conflict, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's the first prophetic promise in the Word of God, and it has to do with the ultimate whole story. (laughs) It's saying that the Messiah, that Jesus would bruise the head of the serpent. In other words, He would take away His headship or His authority or His power, but it was going to come at a cost. The cost was the cross of Jesus. He endured the stripes on His back and the the thorns on His head, the the spitting and the plucking of His beard, the the mocking and the ridicule. He, he He went through all of that and was nailed to the cross and then had the spear placed in His side. All He went through, church, was so that we could be redeemed. Amen? So that we could be taken from the kingdom of darkness and live in the kingdom of the light of God's dear Son. I love that. Church, it never gets old. If you're looking for a church that isn't going to preach the cross, you're in the wrong church. If you're, in, if you're looking for a church that isn't going to talk about the blood of Jesus, you're in the wrong church. If you're looking for a church that isn't going to preach hell is hot, and you need to forget about it and come to Jesus, then you're in the wrong church. Because these things are at the heart of the reality of our lives. Amen? Look, at, I want you to turn with me now to Matthew 16. I love this passage of Scripture. And we're going to get into it a lot deeper than I'm just going to barely touch on it this morning. But we're going we're gonna to study this chapter in, in depth later. But look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, if we think about that for a minute, what was the ministry of John the Baptist? It was a call to repentance. It was a call to repentance. It was all, he was also a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of social justice. And Jesus did all those things. He preached about all those things. The next, it says, some say you're Elijah. Elijah was a miracle worker, a mighty man of God. And Jesus, we see the same. We see the miraculous coming through from his life. Next, it talks about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He had compassion over those that wouldn't come to God. We see Jesus in the New Testament weeping over Jerusalem because they weren't understanding the time of his visitation. And then we see One of the prophets, they were saying, well, he's one of the prophets. The prophets spoke the word of God. And Jesus spoke the word of God. Look at verse 15. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Church, it comes down to a personal proclamation. 
I thank God I had Christian parents and Christian grandparents on both sides of my family. But church, I'm not going to heaven because of my grandfather's faith or my grandmother's faith. There was a day that it came personal to me and I proclaimed it. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. In verse 16, it says, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who is Jesus to you today? Is he a prophet? Is he like Jeremiah and, and has compassion? Is he like John the Baptist and tells you you need to repent? Is he like Elijah and just does some miracles here and there? No, church, he is the Son of the living God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the only hope for this world. And because of him, we're not going to let life knock us around. We're going to enter every battle in the power and the strength and the victory of Jesus. No matter what battle that is, we're overcomers in him. In this passage, let's go on in verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter had a spiritual revelation from the Father. He didn't come up with this idea that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, simply on his own. It was a divine revelation. And Lord, we need a divine revelation of Jesus in our community again. We need a divine revelation in our state. We need a divine revelation in the United States of America. Jesus isn't just another prophet. He's not just another teacher. He's not just a good man from history. He is our Redeemer. In verse 18, Jesus says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. We've studied that in the past. He's using two different words. Peter means rock, but it means like a pebble. And then the word rock that's translated rock here means like a cliff, a massive rock. And he was talking about the massive rock of the proclamation of Peter, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The idea of the gates of hell there has to do with at the, at the gates of the city is where they would come together and counsel. And it's talking about the government of hell, the council of hell, the will of hell. And church, it's not going to prevail over you. It's not going to prevail over the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're not of that kingdom anymore. That sever has been removed us from that kingdom. And God has conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son. Let's look at verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now there's no place in Scripture where it says, these are the, king, the keys of the kingdom. But we're going to spend a whole message on that that's one of the first messages I spoke years ago when I first came to this church was about the keys of the kingdom. And I want to revisit that. And so I'm not going to go deep into that today, but we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
In the original Greek, the way that it's written, it means that it's already done on heaven's side and heaven is waiting for us just to align up with it. And I want you to think about your keys for a moment. I'm thankful that over the last year or so, Gary has been so faithful and willing to take a lot of the key locks all around the church and make them combination locks. Because I used to carry a wad of keys around so that I could get into all the closets and all the classrooms and get into the back areas of the church. For years, I, I carried just a huge amount of keys because I had all the church keys. I had, I had the, uh, my home keys. I had the car keys. You know, some of us still have a lot of keys. But I want to ask you, if there's one person in your life that has the same exact keys that you have, who would that be? For me, it would be my bride. Melinda would have access to all the keys that I have. And it's interesting to me that Jesus says he's going to give us all the keys. The keys represent authority and power. When Mitch was young and he wanted to borrow the car, and I gave him the keys of the car, I was giving him access into the car, giving him access to the power of the car, and giving him responsibility and authority over the car. When God gives us the keys of the kingdom, He's doing the same thing. He's giving us the access into the kingdom of God, the rule of God, not only to rule in our lives, but to rule through our lives. He's giving us access to the power of the kingdom of God that's greater than all the power of the enemy. Amen? Now, if you're, if you're like me, you like power. I don't hunt moose with a 22. I hunt moose with a 300 Weatherby Magnum. I like power. And, and no offense to Pastor Don, but I don't drive a Prius. First of all, I wouldn't fit in a Prius. Some of y'all are imagining me folded up in a prayer. But church, when I put on the gas pedal, I don't care if it's $10 a gallon. I want power to get me where I'm going. Amen? In the same way in life, as a Christian... God has given us access and authority in the kingdom of God to welcome His rule. It's not our ability to rule. It is Jesus ruling in our lives and through our lives. Amen? And when a church takes hold of that understanding, we're not part of the world kingdom. We're not going to let the enemy, who's the prince of the power of the air, have authority over us. We're going to welcome the kingdom power and the glory of the true and the living God to come through our lives and to push back the darkness. Is anybody like that? I'm going to give you one more scripture and then I'm going to close. 
Jesus is talking to 70 disciples. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He wasn't talking just to the 12. He had sent out the 70. And they come back and they're rejoicing at what they've been able to do. And they say, you know, even the demons are subject to us. And let's, let's read verse 19. Jesus says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Let that sink in, church. Serpents and scorpions represent the powers and principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age. And then he, he just clarifies it and he says, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. We talked about this last week. God has divine protection for you. He has angels watching over you. And until he's ready to receive you, you're going to be here to fulfill his plan. Verse 20 says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. Amen. Church, it's, it's not about getting excited because God's given this rule to us that we can rule over the enemy when he comes. We can welcome the rule of God. And I want to tell you this right now. If you have believed a lie like we were talking earlier, a lie of the enemy that says, you're worthless, you're no good, you'll never succeed, you, you can't live the Christian life, you're going to fail. Whatever lie of the enemy that you've believed, you need to denounce that in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, I repent for believing that lie. It is not of God, and I don't want it in my life. I renounce it, and I reject it, and Lord Jesus, I'm going to release it to you right now. Because God doesn't want you living under a lie. And He has given us the authority to welcome His rule to overrule the circumstances that we face. And church, we've, I've taught on this in the past and we've talked a lot, of, about a lot of different messages that I've incorporated this in. But I felt so strongly as I was studying and asking God for direction in the last couple of weeks Church, we have got to live in the victory. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I want to be a victorious church. It doesn't mean we're not going to face battles or temptation or difficult things, but it means in Jesus we are overcomers. I want the worship team to come and I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to invite our prayer team to step out from where you are and for some of you to come to the front, some of you to come to the back. And our prayer team is there this morning because they want to pray with you. And I want to ask you today, are you part of the kingdom of God? Because that's where it starts. Or are you still part of the kingdom of flesh that's 
living life to please the flesh? Are you still part of the kingdom of the enemy that he's influencing your life or has a stronghold in your life? Today is the day to say yes to Jesus and let him convey you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Maybe you have another prayer that you want to pray. Maybe there's someone that's a friend of yours that doesn't know the Lord and you want to come and intercede for them, a family member, a friend. Or maybe there's a battle that you're in and you just want somebody to agree with you. How many realize there's power when we agree together in prayer? The Bible tells us that. Anything that we should ask of our Father in heaven, when two agree, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. There's power when we come together in agreement and we welcome the rule of God into a situation to overrule what's ruling at this moment. So as the worship team begins to lead us in worship, I want to give just a few moments. If you have a prayer need, we want to pray with you today. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com slash give.